going to jump right in. So we're talking about a little bit of wisdom. The past few weeks, we've been talking about wisdom, exactly what that is and how it weaves into every part of our life. We've talked about um, wisdom in our worship, wisdom in our families, relationships. And today we're going to talk about a prayer that Moses prayed to further gain a heart of wisdom. So there have been studies done to show over the course of our lives how we will spend our days, months, and years, okay? So on average, during the span of yours or my life, these are some of the things that we will do. We will sleep for 26 years. So for some new moms in here, that sounds glorious, right? (laughs) Listen to music for 13 years, spend 12 years at work, spend nine years watching TV, Post personal updates on social media for three years. Spend two years in meetings, 18 months in traffic. Work out for 15 months. Spend eight months laughing, which I personally hope to spend more than eight months laughing. And (laughs) used to get in trouble in school all the time for laughing too much. So, (laughs) Um, And blink your eyes closed for an entire year. All right, let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll get started. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for clarity in this place, and we just ask you to be with us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, so Psalm 90, verse 10 says, The days of our lives are 70 years, and if by reason of strength they are 80 years. So teach us to number our days that we may have a heart of wisdom. The message version of this portion says, teach us to live well, teach us to live wisely and well. So in Ephesians, we see Paul talking to the church and he's basically saying the same thing to them. He says in Ephesians 5, 15 through 17, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So some versions of this in in place of that say redeeming the time. So that's buying back something that was lost. So as we all know, time is one of the most valuable things that we possess. (laughs) Um, When you say you sleep for 26 years, immediately you're like, no, well, I am because I want to do so many things. But I'm like, I don't want to sleep 26 years. Um, I want to do all the things. Um, But he says, be very careful. Oh, I'm so sorry. So um, just understanding how valuable time is that we possess. So to redeem the time or even live in a way that is to number our days, um, what does that look like? What does it look like to realize the brevity of, of what we hold with time? So I want to start off by making very clear that my purpose today is to not guilt you into how you do or don't spend your time, what you do with your days, months, weeks, years. Um, It's super, super, super valuable to have fun, to relax, to be with your family, to build relationships. All of these things are so, so important. But I just want to talk about these verses in prayer and what it can mean for gaining a perspective of wisdom for the whole of our days. So the number of our days, as he speaks about as a whole. So the passage in Psalm 90 is a prayer um, from Moses, and he is is, is just specifically saying this, like, teach me how to number my days. The very beginning of this psalm starts off, and he says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place to all generations before the mountains were brought forth, or ever had you formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. So this word everlasting here in the Hebrew most closely means vanishing point. So we're talking vanishing point to vanishing point. So if you can think with me, creation, what we know of creation from the word, 
before creation, formless, void, keep going, keep going, keep going mentally, like keep past that vanishing point. He is there. Then go all the way to eternity, vanishing point, all the way, what we know of eternity, how long it lasts, how long is forever. Um, I've heard it described as like if you had a, or if there was a small bird that went to the Pacific Ocean, took a drop in his beak, and hopped his way all the way to the Atlantic Ocean, dropped the drop in the Atlantic Ocean, went back, got another drop from the Pacific. Okay, you follow me. (laughs) We're just barely getting started in eternity. So vanishing point to vanishing point, you are God. However, we live day by day, right? We live in a linear timeline. We live with a clear start, a clear finish, a birth, a day of being born, a day of dying. None of us escape it. We live this day by progressive revelation. So what that means, to give you a visual, is literally this is our life as it starts, and we live it. So we're just walking in all we know, all we see. I don't know the best direction to do this, but (laughs) all we see is each day as it's revealed to us, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, in Proverbs 27, 1, it tells us, don't boast about tomorrow because you don't know what tomorrow holds, right? (laughs) So we see this through scripture, how we are limited in our linear timeline, but yet the Lord is not. So what's hard for us is to conceptualize that. It's hard for us to to draw upon that when all, all we see is what we see. Does that make sense? So we depend upon scripture, but we see it clearly through scripture. He's the alpha. He's the omega. He's the beginning. He's the end. Everlasting to everlasting. He is completely outside of it. And I wish I had time to go into detail today um, on some of this, but there are specific details in the word of God in the Old Testament that speak so clearly about Jesus's birth, his ministry, his death, his resurrection, and his role in the church. I'm talking specifics over, I think they say over 300 specific prophecies that are given of Jesus. So one of those um, is in Zechariah. For just a small example, he talks about 30 pieces of silver, and 30 pieces of silver is the exact amount that he was betrayed for when he was on the cross. So over 300 of situations like that. So these are called prophecies, and we know this type of prophecy to be a foretelling or you know something told of a future event. But what I think we forget is that the prophecy is called prophecy because it's coming out of a human mouth. So even in the Old Testament, it's a human writing, speaking, saying this prophetic thing that is to take place in the future. Um, But it's because he is already in the future. He sees, he is completely outside of this timeline that we see. So when we go through something hard, a lot of times we encourage people by saying, this too shall pass, right? So we're encouraging them to move point past that linear point of pain and keep moving. There's, there's more things ahead of you. You have to just keep moving. <laughs> you have to keep moving to see it, right? Uh, last week, Pastor Tim talked about hindsight is 2020. So when we talk about wisdom, like, of course, we always know what we should have done when we've passed it and we know what we should have done, <laughs> right? God has foresight and hindsight, right? He sees it all. Um, so I believe we can be encouraged by this, and this is why it is so encouraging to hear a prophetic word or to, to see the Lord's 
voice on a situation through the word of God, whatever it is, it's, it's because it takes us to that specific promise in that specific place. It's like that promise can touch then our timeline. Um, where we see loved ones saved that we've been praying for, where we see our bodies made whole, where we see any number of God-given dreams fulfilled in our life, it's because we have a touch point then to that place outside of what we've been able to see on our own. So there are promises that are specifically yours that are at that point in the timeline. So I want to just mention and remind you that those are intended to bring great hope. Even in the, the word of God, the, the things that we know about the word of God, it's, it's to bring us hope. It's to show us a point of that linear timeline that we don't yet see on our own. The beautiful and amazing thing about him is that within this, we have full and complete free will in every decision that we make. And yet he can still be outside of it. So I want to share really quickly two stories that really stood out to me. Um, they're honestly very small in the grand scheme of things, but they show tangible real-life scenarios, okay? So I have a friend who has been waiting a really long time for a very specific promise, and she's been super vocal about it, and like I really desired to see this thing come to pass because I know that the Lord spoke to me. And she is a mother of five. They pastor a church. They pastor a small church similar to this in another area. And she just strongly, strongly desired a home of their own. So she would be very vocal about it, like I said, and just say that this is a promise that the Lord had given her. So they would move from home to home to home. They had all these scenarios and situations where one house, the roof caved in very unexpectedly, one house. Um, they put down money. Um, they had saved her a while for a new home build, and the company went bankrupt, and they lost a great bit of money. They purchased a home, and then they had a short sale, and the, they ended up, I'm sorry, the, the market flipped, and then they had to short sale the home. Um, anyway, just all these scenarios over the past several years. So she um, had told us how 14 years ago, the Lord spoke very specifically to her and said, what do you want in a house? And she was like, "Any <laughs> a house, like <laughs> at this point, please, a house, anything we can afford, a roof that's not caving in, exactly. And then she felt impressed that he was saying, no, I want to know specifically what you want. Show me specifically what you want. And so she did. She thought about interior. She thought about exterior. She thought about what she wanted. And then this is a picture of the home that she told the Lord, okay, this home. I would like this home. Beautiful, right? It's a nice home. So she tells the Lord that. So fast forward to this year, her and her husband, through several miracles in a row, were able to purchase a home. It's a home that they had actually lived in the past couple of years, um, which was one of her prayers that her children would grow up in the home and it wouldn't just be, you know, be a home that they knew in their late years or whatever. Um, so anyway, she had actually lived in it a couple of years through renting and then they put the home in their name and I would like to show you their home. <laughs> Did you notice any similarities? <laughs> you can toggle back and forth a little bit, but Literally, even the house in the back, and then you can see the house in the back. Like, there's so many similarities of these two homes. It's crazy. The porch, everything. Um, so it's just awesome. So what's so cool about this is that she found out during purchase when they were signing that the land was actually cleared the very year that 
that she had asked for specific, like this is specifically what I want in a house. That's the year the land was cleared and this custom home was built. <laughs> so it was literally built for her. Yep. Um, so it just shows he's completely outside of our, of our timeline. So in my own life, I have an example of this. When I was in school, I was in college, and I did go to Southeastern, but this particular class was not a Bible class of any sort. I can't even remember what class it was, English maybe. I had a professor just stop the class. I don't even know if my parents know this. <laughs> I had a professor stop the class and say, just kind of look at me and call me out. I think he might have even had me stand up, which is funny. Anyway, um, and he said to me, you are going to manage a place. It's like a property. It has a bunch of buildings. There's green roofs. <laughs> and uh, they look like, it kind of looks like a hotel. I don't know. I don't know what that is. I don't know. But that's where I see you. And I was like, <laughs> say what? <laughs> like, first of all, nowhere close to what I had envisioned or whatever. I was working at Discovery Cove at the time, which is a theme park in Orlando, and had like I had no desire to manage a hotel. Honestly, that sounded really strange and terrible to me. Um, <laughs> and so I was like, okay, I don't know what to do with that. Well, then a few weeks later, Discovery Cove started uh, laying out blueprints of like an idea for a hotel. Like, oh, we might build a hotel. This is a good whatever. And so they had like little renderings that they put up in the lobby. And I was like, huh. Okay, that's interesting. I don't know. Like, that's weird. I just, you know, you just think these little tiny thoughts, like, that's something. Um, green roof? <laughs> yeah, any green roof? Yeah, I don't know. I think that actually, that spot ended up being Aquatica. So they never did build a hotel. But it was interesting, the timing. Well, then I ended up leaving Discovery Cove for the drive. And it was my senior year. And a friend referred me to a, a local apartment community that was brand new. I think just the clubhouse was built at that time. And at this time, I didn't think anything of it. This had been several, you know, a few years later, maybe a year and a half or two years later. Um, and so then as I'm there, the, the buildings are being built. Everything's being done, completed. Within two years, I was managing this place. Multiple buildings, <laughs> a large property, has green roofs. And still to this day, people will say, you know, these buildings kind of resemble a hotel. <laughs> like, yeah, I know. <laughs> um, but it is, it's a funny, again, it's a small example in the grand scheme of things, but it shows you that God is outside of our timeline. Like, he knows what the day holds. He knows what tomorrow holds. Um, Tim mentioned an example of this on Father's Day, where last Father's Day he called Tim up. I'm going to try to do this one without tears because it's Finn, but he called Chris up and said, this is the last Father's Day that you won't be a father. And as we all know, it's because the Lord sees, right? <laughs> Um, so what promises are you waiting for in your own life? We all wait. Waiting is not a punishment. It's a part of who we are becoming. So almost all good th things in life are built in with a time of waiting, right? We see this in food growth, like from seed form. It grows and it takes time to grow. We see this with babies. They develop in the the womb, it takes time for them to grow. There's a steady growth that takes place. Money is made slowly. In um, Proverbs 13, 11, it says that money earned hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers it little by little will increase it. So that's something that you it's worth waiting for, right? To build it little by little. Not what you want to hear if you're getting rich quick on the side. <laughs> um, 
often we see where waiting cultivates the desire of what it is that we're waiting for, right? Relationships are built slowly. They're built through desire and times of desire. And as we know, it back in the day, they had to write letters back and forth and wait weeks to get a response that great. We don't have, we don't have to do that. Um, we do get our responses so much quicker. So much of what we get these days is so much quicker. But we have to remember that that doesn't mean waiting is negative. So much of, of what God has built into us and into our processes is to build the desire that increases the promise of what we're waiting for. So is there a promise you're waiting for? I want to read another little chunk from Deuteronomy that has been encouraging to me, and I don't want to get bogged down here, but it basically is just talking about a promise to his people as he's bringing them into the promised land. Um, so they, they're about to go in and conquer, basically. And so he's speaking kind of directives. He says, You shall not be terrified of them, the enemies. For the Lord your God, the great and awesome God, is among you. And the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you, little by little. You will be unable to destroy them at once, lest the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. But the Lord your God will deliver them over to you and will inflict defeat upon them until they are destroyed. And he will deliver their kings into your hand and you will destroy their name from under heaven and no one shall be able to stand against you until you have destroyed them. So this situation always reminds me, basically he's saying to them, what I have for you is so great and so big that we're going to do this little by little as to have it not overcome you, overtake you. So you can see that there's reasons in the little by little that are, are awesome. Like it's in, incredible to know, like there's things ahead that are so good that the reason we're taking it little by little is so that it doesn't crush you. Um, while we're waiting for this individual is promised in our own life. Something I want to say, and I'm this whole entire message is 100% for me too, <laughs> but we cannot, the, the world can't wait. The world can't wait for us to come into who we're promised to be. We need to, to become a big portion of what we're, we, like we need to act now, basically is what I'm saying. Like we, the world can't wait for, okay, my, this is my promise. I'm, I'm waiting till I get there. But there's people around you every day that also have promises, but they know nothing of them. They don't know those promises. Does that make sense? We don't live in this timeline randomly or meaninglessly, but instead we live in an ordered way that causes every season to be full of life and meeting. So we're not just ticking away minutes and hours until we obtain the promises or until we meet him in eternity. We want to make the most of every season and every time until that day when we meet him. Um, so turn with me to Acts 17, 24. I hope I'm not going too fast, guys. <laughs> I'm going to read a chunk of scripture here because I kind of want to um, get into this and I don't want to miss anything. So it says, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. So that's some things we've already discussed. Vanishing point to vanishing point, right? He's made it all. He is not served by human hands and if he, as if he needs anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands, right? Here's your appointed time in history, your timeline. God did this 
so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. So just because he's not in, you know, he's not far from our timeline. He's not, he, he's right with us. He's just not bound by our timeline. Okay. For in him, we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this by raising him from the dead. So who is that man? Jesus. Jesus. He appointed so there is a day coming. So this is, this is where the world can't wait. We have to be willing to speak up. There's so many beautiful things about the Bible, um, but part of it is that we are given quite a glimpse into the full fullness of this timeline. So have you ever heard a story and it just suddenly gets cut off like you cannot, <laughs> you can't bear it, like you need to know the end of what that happened, right? What happened in the story. So imagine if we'd been given the word of God, we've been told about creation. We were told about the big mess we made. We were told about the plan that Jesus made to rescue us from it. We were told of Jesus and then just, okay, <laughs> book's over, right? But that's not what we've been given. We've been given a word that shows the fullness of the story. It shows the full of everything because, again, he's outside of that. So if that weren't the case, we wouldn't know whether God actually wins, whether sin is actually conquered, whether um, where we go when we die. Like, we would have been left with so many questions, right? But we have been given details into these things. So we, he gave us the promise of his word and a promise of these things. So not only do we have individualized promises for our lives, but we have a promise of what all of it culminates to. Um, so often we feel that we're just not ready. We're not ready to speak up in any particular area and we don't feel fully, fully equipped to be who we're supposed to be. Um, there's a line in the recent Avengers movie, Endgame, <laughs> uh, which first of all, I won't spoil the movie if you haven't seen it. And second, the fact that I'm quoting a movie is a m yes. like, <laughs> doesn't happen, right? I don't remember movies enough to quote them and don't quote movies, but this one truly stuck out to me, right? So it says... Um, Thor is talking to his mother, and, she's, and she tells him, everyone fails at who they're supposed to be, Thor. The measure of a person, a hero, is how well they succeed at being who they are. So we have to fully step into and succeed at being who we are, not who we will one day become. So often we do people a disservice by shrinking back because we just feel uncertain. We're not ready. We easily forget that we can come into any situation and speak life into that situation. We can speak God's wisdom into a situation. We can walk with others toward peace in any situation. We can bring hope to the table if we're willing to speak up. And we have the capacity to bring his spirit with us wherever we go. Each day provides us opportunities to speak life, to bring hope, and to bring peace to other people. So are you waiting for another version of yourself before you start speaking life and speaking those things? So as the worship team comes, I'm going to read a quote, and it's a little bit lengthy, but I want you to hear me out. It's from a book called Cold Tangerines, and it says, I don't want to wait anymore. I choose to believe that there is nothing more sacred or profound than this day. 
I choose to believe that there may be a thousand big moments embedded in this day waiting to be discovered like tiny shards of gold. The big moments are the daily tiny moments of courage and forgiveness and hope that we grab onto and extend to one another. That's the drama of life swirling all around us. And generally, I don't even see it because I'm too busy waiting to become whatever it is I think I'm about to become. The big moments are in every hour, every conversation, every meal, every meeting. The Heisman Trophy winner knows this. He knows that the big moment was not when they gave him the trophy. It was the thousand times he went to practice instead of going back to bed. It was the miles run on rainy days, the healthy meals when a burger sounded like heaven. The big moment represented and rested on a foundation of moments that had come before. You have stories worth telling, memories worth remembering, dreams worth working toward, a body worth feeding, a soul worth tending. And beyond that, the God of the universe dwells within you, the true culmination of super and natural. You are more than dust and bones. You are spirit and power and image of God. And you have been given today. Father, I pray that you would help us to number our days that we too could gain a heart of wisdom. God, I pray that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you that he who promised is faithful.